Welcome. Happy Easter. Woo! Yeah, this is a party. This is a celebration. He is risen indeed. Yeah, this is a party, a celebration. If you're if you're over the age of 18 and didn't get a clapper, you can get one now, okay? There's extras. If the kids have them, just kidding. Steal your own kids. It's a celebration, okay? We're trying to have a party here. Uh, I'm Ryan, one of the pastors here at Grace Church. I want to welcome you. If maybe you're a guest with us, maybe this is the first time with us, uh, I'm glad you chose this. I know someone said, I didn't know this was happening. Uh, there's a, also a kid, a neighborhood kid that's hanging out with us. This is awesome, okay? Just saw people outside and said, what's this? Yeah, let's go. Uh, we want to just tell you a few things, and it's this. If, if maybe you're walking in here unsure of this place, unsure of what's happening, uh, maybe feeling a little weird about the songs or singing those songs or singing those words, you're in good company. There, there's many of us here that struggle with doubt, struggle with skepticism, have our own sin, our own suffering that we're bringing into this place. Um, so you're in good company because, not just because we're here and we have some similarities, because what we really believe is Jesus is here with us. That Jesus is present with us this morning as we gather in his name, as we celebrate the good news. And so, the good news is this. The world changed forever 2,000 years ago. And this morning we celebrate. We celebrate what happened to death. What happened to sin. What happened to the devil. Now, we've been walking through Ephesians 6, and, and as we've been walking through the whole book, we're here at 6, and, and we've been seeing the, the spiritual warfare that is real. But what happened? What happened to the devil 2,000 years ago? What happened to you? What happened to me 2,000 years ago? If, if you believe in Jesus, my hope is God's word will anchor you this morning. If you feel lost in doubt or you're being tempted to, to walk away from Jesus, I want the resurrection to solidify your relationship and trust in God. If you're not a Christian, I want you to receive the good news and be filled with deep, lasting hope this morning. Now, I've had doubts throughout the years, sometimes even skepticism. But when it comes down to it, the rubber meets the road at the resurrection. And then it works out from there. And so if you're coming in with a lot of questions, we will gladly come alongside you and try to help you with those things but deeper than all of those questions you may have about the bible you may have about what does it say about this or how are we supposed to live or how is this culture supposed to look based upon the, all those questions can get answered but the ultimate question you have to wrestle with is did jesus rise from the grave or not and the compelling evidence is he did and so you gotta do what, what do i do with that what do i do with that I can tell you I'm satisfied intellectually with the evidence of the, erection, the, the resurrection. Now, some people will say his body was stolen, or he didn't die, but he swooned. Swooned, that's, that's the only time I say that word is once a year on Easter, because we say that, that he swooned. What do you mean? Fainted, he was so beat up, he kind of passed out. 
He went into a comatose state. He swooned. But then he recovered by Sunday. Others object that, that he died, but his body was stolen by his, his followers. But then others say that his, his followers just made it up. And anything that they say after his death, uh, if they say 500 people witnessed this all together, say that's a hallucination. But just track with me. The, the Roman guards were professional executioners. They were experts at death. They verified his death, and then they guarded his body. But even if his body was stolen, how did it return to vibrant and triumphant life on Sunday? How? Or if it was stolen, then you believe the disciples lied for 40 years, even to the point of imprisonment and death. <laughs> Charles, Charles Colson, who was involved in the Watergate scandal with President Nixon, said that Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep a lie for three weeks. You're telling me 12 apostles could keep a lie for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. And regarding hallucinations, if you grew up in the 70s or the 90s, you know, that's not how those work, right? They're not a joint experience. We're not all having the same thing, right? One psychologist said that if 500 people all hallucinated the same thing at one time, that's a greater miracle than the resurrection. So I'll tell you, I'm satisfied intellectually with the evidence of the resurrection, but more than that, it's more than that. Tim Keller says it this way. He says, uh, religious people find God useful, but Christians find God beautiful. And I not only find the evidence for the resurrection and the resurrection itself compelling, I also find it beautiful. And that's what I want for you. That's what I want for you this morning, wherever you're at. And so we're looking at resurrection morning, Matthew 28. If you have a Bible, we're Matthew 28, first 10 verses. If you want to look at it with me, I'd love for you to see it. Matthew 28, verse 1. After the Sabbath, that's Saturday, as the first day of the week was dawning, that's today, that's Sunday, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. Now, if you read the Gospel of Mark, he answered carrying spices to anoint Jesus' dead body, which was a, a custom they would have done typically the day after, but that was Sabbath, they didn't do it, so they're coming back on Sunday to anoint his body. Verse 2, there's a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards were so shaken by fear of him that they became like dead men. So, Sunday morning, it's not overcast. I don't know exactly what it is, but what I do know is there's an earthquake, and God sends an angel the God who's silent on Friday is having the last word on Sunday. He's answering the questions of Jesus' followers and even Jesus' question on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And what is the Father's answer on Sunday morning? I haven't. 
You're alive, vindicated, restored, declared as the true Lord of the world. God is doing something new. This isn't just the first day of the week. This is a, a first day of a whole new world. And the angel comes to share the message and let the witnesses observe the empty tomb. And his radiant presence so scares the Roman guards that they swoon. <laughs> that they pass out. They're like, "Woo!" I'm sorry. I don't want to disparage Roman guards if any of you are here. But that's what they sound like when they, they swoon. <laughs> but when they wake up later and go tell the officials what happened, they're bribed to lie and say that the body was stolen. Right? So what I'm saying, what I'm arguing, what I'm telling you this morning and whoever can hear out here is that the resurrection is history. The theme of resurrection is embedded by God even in our seasons. In autumn, leaves fall. In winter, grass and flowers die. In spring, what do they do? They resurrect. The resurrection is the history of the world, the start of a new world. That's what the angel proclaims. Verse 5. The angel told the women, can you imagine this? Just the earthquake. <laughs> Stolen rolled away, and the angels raided presence that already knocked out the, the toughest of tough men at the time. And he tells them, don't be afraid, ladies, because I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. You're looking for him. You want to anoint him with, with spices. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead, and indeed, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I have told you. He was crucified. He was buried. He was dead but he has risen. You will see him. After prophesying of Jesus' death in Isaiah 53, particularly talking about the suffering servant, it adds about Jesus. After his anguish, he will see light and be satisfied. That's Sunday morning. After the anguish of Friday, after the death, the burial on Saturday, Friday morning he sees light, and what does he see? He's satisfied. Just joy in what the Father has accomplished through him. So Jesus was certified dead by a Roman executioner on Good Friday. And that corpse was cold and breathless. Then, think about how your body functions. Then his cerebral cortex fired back up. And static blood began running in his veins. Alive, breathing, heart pumping, risen. The same fingerprints carried the cross and then folded the clothes. The same DNA that walked on water walked out of the tomb. That's what the angels declared. This is what has happened. 
And then the disciples bear witness to it. Because these two went and listened to the angel and go tell all the other disciples. Verse 8, so departing quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, they ran to tell the disciples the news. Just then Jesus met them and said, greetings. Okay, you can hear this declaration, right? You can hear it like, like the two ladies. And you can go tell other people. But when you meet Jesus, look what happens. They came, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus told them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. So he met them, he greeted them, and they worshipped him. Jesus fits into a small, select group of people who founded a great world religion, or like Aristotle, set the course of human thought and life for centuries. But he's also in another small category, and this category is made up of human persons who have implicitly or explicitly claimed to be divine beings from other worlds. Many of them were political leaders. You can think pharaohs in Egypt, Caesars in Rome. But then you can think other small self-contained sects like the Koresh, the Branch Davidians, and Waco. Now, the category of the Buddhas and Aristotles of the world had a great impact on millions of people, largely because of their brilliant teaching, but also because of their admirable lives and character, which of course included humility. But the category of people who claimed to be God were able just to convince a small number of people that they were, because it's really hard to live such an extraordinary life that most people would be forced to conclude that you're not merely a human being. I've met you guys, most of you. No delusions here, right? You've met me. You get it. But in these two categories, there are only two people who rise to the surface in both, and that's Jesus and Buddha. But what sets them apart is that Buddha told people he was not a god. People were trying to make him a god, and he said no. Jesus did not. He's the only person who is in both categories. He's not only a brilliant teacher who lived an extraordinary life, but he also claimed to be God. I mean, he's the only one person who not only claimed to be God himself, but also got enormous numbers of people to actually believe it. Only Jesus combines the claim of divinity with the most beautiful life of humanity. To be very frank, Buddha is still buried. But Jesus is alive. That's the difference. Only Jesus is worthy of going to for your answers and for real rescue. He's the only one worthy of following with all of your life. He's the only one to worship. So think about it. What has he done? He's the one who came to destroy the works of the devil and to gift you freedom. He's the one who died in your place 
for your sin to gift you forgiveness. He's the one who is raised from the grave for your justification to not only forgive you, but then to gift you his righteousness. That's Romans 5, raised for your justification. And he's the one who defeated death. Victorious, to gift you hope, Jesus alone. Jesus alone stands as the one to worship, stands as the one alone. Not, not many ways around him or even many ways to him, but him. But him. And if you argue about, like, that's so exclusive, all of our worldviews are exclusive at some point. I'm saying this is the most inclusive, exclusive uh, 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 worldview you're going to get because everyone can get on in on this. No matter your background, no matter your ethnicity, no matter how far you think you've gone, no how, matter how broken you are, you can get in on this. Jesus is saying, come to me. Look what I've done for you. Now, at some point, you get to the point like, maybe, I, well, just, there's maybe some of you that think, I don't, I don't need a God. I, I don't need a demi-God to help me. If you really don't want rescue, if you're really good by yourself with your own autonomy, it's sad for me. Because how I think about this and what my worldview would say based on the Bible is that if that's your life, if that's where you're going, then you are genuinely robbed of real hope. The, the, the best you get, really, the best you can get currently is the secular hope, which is it's just the hope for individual freedom to pursue our own private ideas of good and to discover our own authentic selves. There's a few holes I could poke in that, but let me just deal with the hardest one. That worldview doesn't deal with what every worldview has had to deal with since the beginning of time, and that's deal with death. That story can't make sense of death, stand up to death, and cannot help you face the fear of death and definitely not help you triumph over it. And if you'd be really honest with me this morning, I think you would tell me death is scary. And while living for yourself feels good, it isolates you from a story bigger than yourself. And we all long to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And you can be. You can be this morning, along with these 20 folks that are about to tell you what's happened to them. You can be delivered from death through Christ because he rose from the grave and lives now. You can be a part of the true story that is bigger than you and I. You can get caught up in the story of God. And so... So as you hear of the resurrection, then you must feel the, the, the compelling place of like, I've got to do something about this. I have, to, I have to change my whole life. Like what really needs to happen is what happened after Jesus' resurrection. Worship changed. I mean, literally, devout Jews changed who they worshiped to Jesus, which 
for the other Jews would have been heretical, would have been blasphemed, they would have been cast out of the whole community. Not only did that change, the object, the person, the day changed from Saturday to Sunday. But let me get very personal. They changed. The, the object for them changed. That they saw the risen Christ and they fell at his feet and worshipped him. And that's, your, that's, that's the call. To turn from your selfishness, to, to turn from whatever, and to turn to Jesus. To believe in the good news of Jesus and worship Jesus now. The, the, the 20 folks that are getting baptized, they're not spectacular. They didn't go through a 12-step process that we have going on here, and they, they graduated, and we're like, yeah, you're really a better human being now. None of us need to be better human beings. You know what we need? We need to be made new human beings. Because the reality is, if Jesus stayed dead in the grave, then we're all dead in our sin and there's no hope. But he rose from the grave, so no matter where you are, there is real hope for you here. There's real hope because there's not a grave where you have to travel to to celebrate the death of our leader. You have an empty tomb to just go, hey, I don't know where it is. It doesn't really matter because he's alive in heaven. I don't need to go to his body. No other person has claimed to be God and backed it up with verifiable evidence. So let me just end like I ended last year because it rings true. In the words of the hip-hop artist Shailen, without, without the melody, let me just say it. Plato is dead. Socrates is dead. Aristotle and Immanuel Kant are dead. Nietzsche and Darwin are dead. However, Jesus is alive. Buddha's dead. Muhammad's dead. Gandhi and whoever that is are dead. Elijah Muhammad is dead. However, Jesus is alive. Okay? So the, the right response to this is worship him wherever you're at. Longtime believer, maybe hearing this news for the 50,000th time, no matter what it is, Jesus is here and he's still telling you again, I'm alive, risen, I reign at the right hand of the Father, I'm praying for you now, I'm here with you. Okay? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray, and what we're going to do is just respond to 20 people telling us what Jesus has done for them, and us dunking them, and story, and dunk, and story, and dunk, and then we'll sing all to the praise of Jesus because he's the risen king. Will you pray with me? Risen King Jesus, we praise you. We praise you because you are the sovereign king who rules over everything, who is our only hope in life and death, who is the one who has given us life, who is the one that has changed our hearts and changed our, our path, our now, our worship forever. We praise you. We praise you. And as these folks come to tell their story, to, to, to be baptized, Lord, I pray that you would encourage them, embolden them to tell uh, of what you've done to brag on you, Jesus. And I pray that this would be a, uh, a party, a party for all of us. 
to really celebrate the gravity of you. You take dead people and you make them alive. And you forgive and you give righteousness. Hallelujah. You're our good king. In your name we pray. Amen.